0: We are here in the Dunbrody Visitor Center, and we are here uh, for the Kennedy Summer School. There is an absolutely packed program of events happening today, tomorrow, and the next day here in New Ross. And Renee Chenault-Fatta is one of the speakers. She's speaking on two different panels. Is that right, no, Renee? I'm
1: actually just on one panel. OK, you're on one panel. My, mal- or my name was too much of a mouthful to They put could, me they, on. They, they said, two, you know what? Like, no, it, we can only have yeah, her for we, one we panel. We can't put somebody through, <laughs> have to do right, that. Right.
0: How, how did I do on the name? Uh, great. You have to you say did, that. You have right. to say No, that. no, no, truly. <laughs> That's why when I came in, I said, just say Renee, because it's easier. Well, listen, um, I mean, th- there's there's an awful lot we're going to talk about because right. you're going to uh, stay with us as well here for right. the next few minutes. We're going to be joined by another couple of uh, of speakers and panelists at the event. But I wanted to talk to you in your own because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was reading some of the things you've been writing over the last little while before our conversation. And you wrote a really interesting piece. Was it in the Philadelphia Inquirer? Right.
1: I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you worked with NBC, of course, in right. Philadelphia anybody listening um, uh, from that part of the world uh, will know that. And what you wrote about was um, the Supreme Court overturning Mm -hmm. the Roe versus Wade decision. So this was, you know, for people who kind of uh, pay no attention to US uh, politics or cultural affairs, this was the decision uh, that liberalised abortion laws in the United States. And that has been rolled back. The Supreme Court have overturned it. Why did you decide to write that piece?
1: Oh, Karen, gosh, do you have a couple of hours? Um, You know, as a woman, as a black woman, the fact that the Supreme Court could reverse 50 years of settled law. There's a principle in the law in the United States that's called star decisis, which means when the Supreme Court makes a decision, you stay with that unless something happens to change that. And what happened to change it were conservative judges that were put on the Supreme Court by Donald Trump. The fact that they could have reversed 50 years of law, which said that a woman has a right to make the decision about what happens with her body is is maddening. It's unconstitutional. And what it's really done is fired up the base of women in the United States. Um, you know, the the law was that that was a decision between a woman and her doctor. What this case has done is said that no, there isn't a constitutional protection. Each state gets to decide. And what you're seeing is in conservative states, they're saying that under no circumstances can a woman have an abortion. Whether it's risking the life of the mother, the child, whether the woman is a victim of rape or incest, and women are rising up over this. And since that decision, because it's been over year now, Mm. in the midterm elections, any sort of effort that a state has made to restrict the right has been struck down what you're going to see in the elections next year women coming together on this issue i don't think the supreme court or the republican party knew what they were doing by firing up the base in this way because this is personal with women um there was a debate uh, from the republican uh, presidential candidates a couple of weeks ago Mm. eight candidates on the stage all of them to varying degrees talking about how they would restrict the right of a woman to have an abortion like six weeks out or from the time that that she finds out she's pregnant. The only person on that stage who spoke out against that was the woman. Nikki Haley, who said, why are we looking to punish women? You know, can't we find some middle ground here? Sure, you can be for adoption. Sure, you can be for child care. But this is something that we have to find middle ground. And this is coming from the, uh, the conservative Republican. Hmm. But it was the woman, the one woman. on the So, again, this is an issue that's really going to fire up women. I said it's personal. I have two daughters. The fact that they have fewer rights than I had when they were when I was their age, some 50 some years ago, is unacceptable.
0: It's just unacceptable. Yeah, it's it's hard to think of another area whereby rights have been rolled back to that degree. You know, it, it's, the, it's that old thing that politicians love to cite, you know, the kind of the, 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 the arc of the universe tends towards justice, or maybe right. I've butchered it a little bit, but you'll you know what I mean. Nope, I mean, right. th- this flies in the face of that,
1: yes, doesn't it? Very much so. And it's frightening what has happened in the past year, because you have seen doctors in these restricted states um, afraid to perform an abortion because they don't know if criminal actions are going to be brought against them. Some of these laws in some of these states are so draconian and so barbaric. So again, this is an issue that women are going to come to the polls on and whether they're conservative in other areas, this strikes home and I really think that you're going to see uh, come November of 2024 uh President Biden and Kamala Harris Vice President Kamala Harris return to office and it's going to be in large part because of this issue.
0: Yeah, we we we're, we're we're going to maybe look back on on uh, President Biden's tenure in office mm-hmm. and how we might rate different elements of it uh, mm-hmm. in a few minutes as well. But do, do you worry that Uh, having been successful in terms of rowing back women's rights Mm -hmm. in and around abortion, that that, uh, the people kind of behind that the people who have funded mm-hmm. this to a degree, uh, that they will look at other areas now?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, in fact, when that decision came down, Clarence Thomas made reference to the fact, well, maybe we should look at LGBTQ relationships and, and marriage, and yeah, this is trying to open the floodgates to a whole host of rights. And why are we trying to restrict people's rights? If anything, I mean, a democracy is about protecting people's rights and empowering people. So yeah, there there is an effort for... Roe v. Wade to be the first step. We saw it a few months ago around the issue of affirmative action, where again the Supreme Court said it was settled law going back to the 70s when I applied to law school that you know you can consider race when you're making decisions about entrance into law schools because there's a benefit in having diversity in the lawyers that are practicing law and representing people. So yeah, so there there was that rollback, but it started with Roe, and um, it's frightening to think that this is a court. I mean, and, and that's the the other thing and tell me to stop because i'll just go on no forever. no keep going i'm fascinated <laughs> I'm, by all I'm, of this I'm, I'm sorry karen but it's like people need to understand that the courts have an incredible amount of power. These are people who were not elected. But the fact that these justices are there for life, they have the power to influence decisions for generations to come. A lot of damage was done the four years that Donald Trump was in office. There's there's, there's just no other way to say
0: that. Is, is there a way of unpoliticizing, though, the Supreme Court? Mm.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, in all fairness, I think it's always been political. Yeah. You know, sometimes we don't want to, you know, admit that. Sort of like as journalists. Journalists like to say they're, optim- or they're um, objective objectivity, please. It's how you oh, choose I don't, I don't, to see the facts. I don't facts. pretend to be objective. Well, that's why I like yeah. you. And that's why I'm glad I no longer... I mean, you have strong <laughs> opinions, and they have to influence what you do and, you know, how, how you act. That's that's human nature. But you're right. It would be good. I mean, you, you'd like to think that justice is blind and politics doesn't enter in. But how can you not feel like politics played a part when you look at the justices that, you know, uh, Donald Trump um, appointed and the decisions that that they have rendered.
0: Is there something incongruous as well in um, people who would describe themselves as as conservative and as members Mm -hmm. of the Republican Party seeking to interfere with individuals On a kind of a federal level, when uh, s- you know, for, for so long, the lifeblood of that party was was uh, might have been described as doing the exact opposite, Absolutely. or seeking to do the exact opposite. Absolutely,
1: there's there's Get a out hypocrisy. Of my life. Right, right. There's a true hypocrisy there. I mean, you know, uh, my dad was a Republican, but the Republican party that he was in is very different from the party that exists today. And if they truly want to stay out of people's lives, then you know explain these laws explain the fact that you are now not only in people's lives but you're in the the operating room you're in the you know the examining room so yeah there's there's an intellectual dishonesty in 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 the positions that that they're taking.
0: Well, listen. We're going to talk a little bit about those positions okay. about President Biden, as I said, and Kamala Harris. We'll talk about Donald Trump. The DT. <laughs> where we've got we've got to get yeah, there. I'm yeah. afraid, you know, we've done well actually. I think on the show today uh, uh, to 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 be here for the Kennedy Summer School and speak so little about Donald Trump. But anyway, well, I'm can, sorry. I brought. It can't I'm bringing
1: it home. We're going to talk. States. This.
0: I saw this fascinating piece yesterday. I mean, he's raised. Um, yes. I mean, yes. enormous amounts money this week and a huge amount of it on the back of selling mugs and t-shirts yes. isn't that with his mug shot on them isn't, <laughs> isn't it, it just amazing where we find ourselves yes. regardless of your uh, political yes. proclivities yes. anyway Renee you stay with us okay. uh, and we've got uh, another couple of people joining us Eamon thank you very much for listening to The Hard Shoulder Kieran Ciaran heat with you until 7 o'clock this evening Renee is still with us and we have been joined by Terry Prone, Chairman of the Communications Clinic and Pat Gatling who is a New York human rights lawyer and is also taking part in the Kennedy Summer School if you're just joining us you wonder what I'm talking about. We are here uh, in the Dumbrody Visitor Center today uh, on the banks of the Barrow uh, for the Kennedy Summer School. The sun is shining. The sun is shining right in behind Pat and Terry. It's like you've got halos, (laughs) the two of you. Angelic here on my (laughs) left. Sorry, Renée, that doesn't reflect that. That's all right. I won't take it personally. Um, Well, listen, there's a a huge amount we could talk about, um, but a a lot of the focus of of the summer school, understandably, is going to be about U.S. politics. Different conversations uh, will be had and And there is a great fascination uh, on this side of the pond with politics on that side uh, of the pond. Uh, Terry, why do you think that's the case?
2: Oh, I think that Ireland always has a great sense of knowingness, that we actually know better probably than the whole of America. And also we are essentially uh, another state that is Democrat. And so we, we hate Trump in a, a really big energetic kind of way. But the other thing about Ireland that is important is that we have more media, more current affairs media per square inch than any country in the world more local newspapers more local radio stations and they're not just playing music we love current affairs we love news we love argument we love debate and so we take in in a very generous way uh, America into that
0: and I guess it's it's um it's a fascination that we can engage in without having to deal with the consequences as well, to a degree, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's part of the well, attraction.
2: Yes, I can remember when Kennedy came to Ireland. That's how old I am. And I can remember my mother saying, we're not having any of this nonsense. You weren't giving um, PR
0: advice. <laughs> You're not that old, Terry.
2: No, not that old. <laughs> but I was in secondary school and it was a convent school and oh my God, an Irish Catholic president in the United States. And my parents ran firmly against that and said anything to do to do with Joe Kennedy was not a good thing, that he was mafia. Um, secondly, that they were lace curtain Irish, which at the time I didn't understand at all. And that uh, this is the really awful thing, that Nixon was very bright and good <laughs> at foreign affairs. <laughs> And so I got into trouble in every class in school, which was pretty constant anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, Pat, uh, um, is there still the same fascination in the States with the Kennedy clan and the cold Camelot thing? Or, or, or you know, does that fade with generations?
3: No, absolutely. Among African-Americans and, you know, while I'm old enough, I attended the funeral procession. Um, I was in elementary school and went to the procession in Washington DC because my parents insisted that we go pay respects to the Kennedy family so there's always been a connection because you know he spoke with such moral courage and we didn't we didn't have leadership like that certainly as African-Americans And, you know, we believed that he was going to change our lives, and he did, and he continues. And, you know, I was speaking with Renee earlier, I said, if you go to a black home, probably to this day, you will see Jesus Christ on one side of a picture, on the wall in a picture, John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King on the other side. And that's who our leaders still are in our hearts. And that's because they spoke with such courage. They, you know, he was so good looking and so charismatic. And we believed him. And, you know, and they, they walked the walk. I mean, I knew Senator Kennedy, Ted Kennedy. I knew John John I worked. He was a prosecutor when I was a prosecutor. And they always acted with courage and respect and in such a humble way. You know, they never forgot their humble roots. And Nixon was good in international politics, but he was a criminal, nonetheless. Yeah, there was that we
2: drawback.
1: Know about criminals yeah. in office, oh but that's criminals. another story. <laughs> Karen, let me just say something about what Terry said about the amount of media here. I get it now. Everywhere I go, people are so engaged and so informed and have these opinions that you can tell are based in knowledge and reason and it's such a breath of fresh air. and not TikTok.
3: You know and
1: not snooze <laughs> I mean, your folks know and it's because they do have an informed media that's all that's omnipresent. That's everywhere, and it
0: shows. Renee, I, I was sure you were full sure you were going to take the opportunity to say that you were way too young to remember the Kennedys. Oh,
1: yeah. absolutely. Yeah, there was an open door there. <laughs> no, 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 no 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 no, 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 no. No, I wish I could say that. No, <laughs> in fact, I was in kindergarten when when he passed, yeah. and I they sent us home, and my mom was in tears, and so no, the Kennedys have had a that's profound right. impact on generations. Pat Pat said it so eloquently.
3: No, my mother, I went home, my father was in the military in Maryland, she's crying. Mm I am like, what happened? And she told me, you know, that the president had been shot. And, you know, and we we just sort of fell apart. And then when Robert Kennedy Mm was assassinated, and then Martin Luther, we were just so desolate as a people, as a black people. But you know, your Irish have always been our helpers. You've always understood oppression. You know, Frederick Douglass came here because you understood oppression and having people with their foot on their necks. And to, when, you know, Renee and I, and we've known each other since <laughs> we were 16, we went to college together. You know, we came to Ireland, you know, having dealt with all this politics in America, and I always say they lost the plot, It. You know, we felt a freedom, and it was a breath of fresh air to have a conversation about politics without somebody who wanted to disparage our race or disparage our opinions. Or our gender. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Renee, the, the leaders then, as Pat describes them, and the inspirational nature of those leaders, do they exist today? Have they existed since? Oh, I think so.
1: I mean, I want to be optimistic. You know, we have leadership. Do we have charismatic leadership, you know, in the way of a JFK or, you know, an RFK or an MLK? Times are different but yeah sure sure there's leadership in place and um you know it's easy I think because of social media where you know everybody can sort of weigh in but no i I, I very much believe in
0: leadership it, the, the the proliferation of kind of of media and social media and the accessibility of politicians to it I mean does it does it make it harder for somebody to to reach that kind of exalted status like is it are we more prone to to realizing that uh, our kind of heroes feet are made of clay. Do you know what I mean? Like was it was it easier in the past, Terry? Well,
1: sure. You had three, I mean right. in the states you had three outlets, NBC, ABC, CBS yeah. and they they were all, you know, now everybody can be a star. Everybody can have celebrity. So it is it is more difficult. And I didn't mean to interrupt, no, Terry.
2: The first thing that changed Uh, was television. I remember meeting Walter Mondale after Mm. he had been defeated and he just said it was television. I never came to terms with television therefore I lost the election. But television did much more than Mondale would have realised. Television put leaders in your sitting room, in a small box, so that the image was the same size as you. There was nobody telling you what they had said and what it meant. You could see them straight up. And social media has taken that one step further, in that it has trivialized and diminished everybody into something that you can have on your phone and that you can react to on your phone and troll and condemn and mock and diminish and that makes it much more difficult for the kind of kennedy oratory for example to to emerge because it's it's even the length of time kennedy kinnock the great orators they never talked for less than 10 minutes and sometimes they talked for an hour. Whereas now, yeah. you can't get it done in 45 seconds, you're dead. Yeah. It, uh, oh, that's so sound.. Bit. Bite. Yep.
0: It, it's kind of like you mentioned the Catholic Church earlier. And there was a kind of a period in the Middle Ages where like, the great universities of Europe, they wouldn't teach Plato or Aristotle or anything like that. Why? Because, it, because rationality flew in the face of the mystery. And the mystery was the great selling point. You know, this was one of the great selling points, and it, it strikes me that's kind of th- that that accessibility through your phone on TikTok. It kind of breaks down any sense of mystery, doesn't it, Pat? I mean, it was easier for there to be an air of mystery, even even. Camelot as a as a kind of a moniker for the whole family. I mean that 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 has an air of the mystery about it, doesn't it?
3: It it did, and it still does. But I mean, I think what happened with this social media, there are no consequences for the actions. I will say this: in Europe, you have stronger laws for defamation. We don't in the states. You know, bringing a defamation defamation case is not easy. It's a difficult case to try. It's a difficult case. Judges don't understand it because, you know, we've got the First Amendment. So people like, you know, the president, you know, and other people, they they, they come under all of this attack that they really can't do anything about. But here you can't, you know, if you say something and disparage people, there are consequences and you're held up for it, But not in the states, and so I mean, I think that we lag behind in those laws, and we're looking at them. And you know, certainly this case that was against Trump is turning things around because, um, you know, the the woman who's doing battle with him and taking all of his money, that is a that's a big sea change, and it probably started even with Johnny Depp in his case, you know. And so things are starting to change, and we're going to start to hold people. I hope. You know more accountable for what they say behind a computer screen you know or tweet and i look i ran for office my biggest problem when i ran for office was that i could not you know i'm not from the social media age you know and I'm, i'm learning and i'm catching up with it and you know you need to be a social media star and if you're not willing to tweet and talk and you know two minute sections. I didn't grow up learning to speak like that. I grew up learning to you know, talk for an hour. You know, I'm a prosecutor. We get up there, we talk for an hour. We don't know what we're saying,
0: but we'll certainly get up there and try. Well, uh, I think one of the uh, panel discussions at the summer school is about kind of the, the overlap between the world of celebrity and politics, mm-hmm. uh, and I imagine they'll get into a bit of that. We are, we are baking here beside the river, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a very quick break. We'll be like marathon runners Pat, Terry, and Renee. We're going to pour a cup of water over our heads, and we'll be back to you after we cool down just a moment moment. Don't go anywhere. This is the Heart Shoulder, Kieran Cuddigy, with you live from the Dombrody Visitor Centre on the banks of the Barrow. We are here in New Ross, County Wexford uh, for the Kennedy Summer School. And we've been having a great conversation for the last few minutes with Renee Chenant Fatah, with Terry Prone, and with Pat Gatling. Uh, they are all taking part in different discussions over the next few days. Uh, there's a, a great, great lineup. And if people just Google Kennedy Summer School, they will find all of the information. Uh, Terry is hot it in a few minutes around the corner to St Michael's Theatre. Uh, I know. Uh, For the first discussion that uh, she is taking part in, but Renee, if I can come back to you, how would you describe assess or grade Joe Biden's term in office thus far?
1: Oh wow, I give him. You know, there's always room for improvement, but I I remember that
0: from my grades. Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: This is never. This is never like a teacher here. No, 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 (laughs) no, no. You know. I am a storyteller, you know, I mean, I was started off as a lawyer, what's a lawyer if not someone who tells a story to a judge or jury or client, then I was 30 years in broadcasting. Then when I left that I went and I made a documentary. So you can see I'm all about the story. So I look at things through, you know, the eyes of looking for a story. Joe Biden has a great story to tell. This is a man who brought America out of COVID who's had 39 months of consecutive job growth, who's had all of these programs, whether it's the Anti-Inflation Reduction Act, which created close to 200,000 jobs, or the CHIPS Act, which is focused on the environment and energy, but yet still brings some 200,000 jobs to market. He has hired, I mean, his what he's done has provided more jobs for women ages 18 to 54 than any other time in history. So it's a great story. now. Because I'm a storyteller, I know that simply reciting facts and numbers is not enough. It doesn't necessarily resonate you have to tie it into a story so what they need to do over the next 16 months is figure out how to make that story connect because citing a bunch of numbers and data isn't going to do it and i live in a battleground state which means that already we are being inundated with commercials and what they're doing is they're having working-class women working class men people of color telling how the biden harris administration has affected their life now the flip side is the other side is doing the same thing telling stories about how you know i mean if if you feel like you can't pay for your rent or you know gas is high you're going to say well hey you haven't done anything so it is going to be a battle of the stories but he i mean when you look at substance and that's why i love it here because folks look at facts and they're informed when you look at that how can you not give him i want to say b because there's always room for improvement Mm. but when you look at what the competition is who they don't even make the grade how can you not you know say he has done a fabulous job
0: terry this is very much your baileywick kind of uh. advising somebody to construct that narrative yeah. i mean what are the challenges he faces in that regard kind of molding all of those numbers into a nice neat story that people will engage with. It's a
2: story and more than a story. I think it's the Democrats stopping lecturing people and connecting with them emotionally. Because Donald Trump is not something that came up like a a weird weed in a garden, although he can be described in those terms. Donald Trump was the answer to a problem that pre existed. You had the, the people memorably if, uh, reported on in the book Hillbilly Elegy. Mm -hmm. Um, And you got the feeling that they had felt defeated for generations. They had felt disregarded for generations, despised. And then along came this Democrat woman. And what did she call them? Deplorables. That was the mistake, not just of a career, but of a Democrat positioning. And the Democrats have to get back to talking with passion about possibilities and directions and dreams and hopes and aspirations instead of talking about the economy, oh dear God, or statistics about employment. People have to believe it, have to own it, and have to feel better about themselves because they espouse a particular political stance or leader.
0: The huh. Democratic
2: Party needs to hire you for strategy because thats, they that's, that's exactly the problem.
0: They can't afford her. Don't worry about
3: this. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, she's absolutely right, yes, and that's the absolutely. problem. Absolutely. And they're not connecting, and they've got to keep connecting. I know with African American voters, and they're younger voters, mm-hmm. and they're more younger voters than voters my age, who you know remember the Kennedys and who remember you know and remember the Bidens and and you know understood him when he was a senator, you know when he was around. So he's—they've got to figure out how to connect and make sure they get to the polls and then you've got latin latinx community and that's a large number of voters in our in fact that will be the predominant minority in a, in they say within five years mm. in our country and so now how do you connect with them because they have a range and they're not monolithic and they you know we we have everyone from the the new voters who you know are recent people that have come to this country and then you've got the older ones the cubans and all and they're all you know and they all have different politics but we're all impacted the same way and so how do you how do they do that and how does joe biden do that and that's a demographic that has been ignored to the point where he has a
1: negative favorability rating of 44 percent it's dropped some five percent just in the past few months so you're right You've got to go after those parties. You have to go after women, you have to go after black males. You know, you have to worry about third party candidates. Cornell West mm-hmm. is going to pull away. So so there's a lot going on. There's a lot. But but Terry, you hit it. You gotta get the passion. You gotta get because Donald Trump co- connects with his base. They're and that's passionate. what President
3: Obama did. That's what Barack yes. Obama did. Yeah. We didn't know him. Yeah. But right. guess what? He brought us hope and he was able to speak to that group. And when you saw you know, and when you see Biden, you go you can heal he'll hug you. Just like mm-hmm. President Obama, right, President Obama. That's a whole issue. But you know <laughs> just no, no no none of the kissing of right. But you know, and I mean and I think and that's what happened with, you know, President Obama and, but he was also a social media genius. Yes. Yeah. And he had these social media yes. geniuses working for him. Exactly. And they have to constantly
0: be what? working for Joe Biden. Uh, listen, uh, it was great chatting to you three geniuses <laughs> as well. And I'd love to continue the conversation. But luckily, for anybody who's in this part of the world, uh, these conversations will continue this evening, tomorrow, and the day after uh, the Kennedy Summer School. Like I say, it is an absolutely packed programme of events. And if you just Google it, you'll find out uh, all of the details. Uh, Pat Gatling, Terry Prone, and René Chanel Fatal. Listen, thank you all very, very much. And thank pleasure. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk.